Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, girlfriend. How are you? Girlfriend I'm, and I'm, wife. I'm doing good. Want to definitely announce that officially. Mm-hmm. My wife. Yeah. 21 the, the plus years. deal has been sealed. Yeah, several times. Maybe even once this month. Uh, possibly. Who knows? Yeah. Although it is early in the month. Yeah, April let's not get crazy, Mike. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of nuts. That's crazy. Yeah, how's uh, life going for you? Uh, it's been a week. If you heard our bonus episode, if you're a patron, I've just been in a bit of a rut this week. Yeah. Yeah. And we think it's... Um, uh, not the period, but the other one. Yeah, ovulation. ovulation. I know it's TMI, I'm sure. Well, if not, skip it. But it's one of those things that just, mood-wise, I've just been very blah. Yeah, not appreciated whatsoever around the house. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm still working my tail off. It's just I, I'm forcing myself to self to just go through the motions. Yeah, sometimes it happens. It's like we're all humans, right? Yeah. Like, that's just how it is. Like the Nick Nick Jr. says, we're not perfect, we're parents, or we're not perfect, we're humans. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping this next week I'll have more pep in my step. Yeah, no, you uh, you seem fine. I mean, it's, it's okay for anybody to have like a time where it's like, well, I don't feel quite myself yeah i think you just have to let yourself just go through it not fight it that's always my biggest thing i like have this mental argument like get the hell off the couch like what's your problem yeah and it's like well i just worked 10 hours and you know i've been at it for about 14 hours let's go ahead and give myself a bit of a break it's okay to be a little tired it's okay a little run down yeah, yeah. i mean you you work like yeah i mean you're, you're awake for a lot of hours every single day yeah um and you don't say that to me you're not like what the hell get off the couch <laughs> to you yeah i know that i can't sit down until it's like nighttime. Oh, hush. It's such a lie. It's a, it's one of the rules. It's unwritten rules. Like they're, they're not written anywhere. Oh, you didn't see it written? Not that I know of, but it I know it's the... up there. I know it's right up there. It was framed on the wall. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I would tear that down right away. Um, it has been kind of hectic. Like we got a crazy month coming up. I'm doing a little traveling. Uh, we got Easter this weekend, obviously. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, the kids like end of year activities because kids are like at the end of their schooling stuff. So one's like getting into middle school. The other one's going into high school. So, you know, their end of year activities are all over the place yeah the calendar is getting jammed and with that goes my anxiety and then we were going to go away this one weekend and then all of a sudden mike's away and i'm schlepping the kids to tropicana stadium in st petersburg which is about an hour drive from me because they're playing the white Sox. oh i'm gonna go and have a relaxing weekend no you're gonna work 10 hours and then drive out to st pete for a baseball game you know three hours round trip or you can look at it as spending some time with your kids. Well, I was going to spend time with my kids away for well, the weekend, too. Yeah, but you can go into the stadium and just have a little ball game. You know, it's just you and the kids. Have a little hot dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll be fun. And I love the White Sox. Yeah, and I do, too. And unfortunately, they're having a really bad start to the season. So well, um, what are you we'll going to do? It's, it's early. I know you don't like me talking sports. I saw that look real well, quick. Well, many people are like... <laughs> Right, right. Well, I am wearing a socks like shirt and hat. If you're looking on YouTube, um, and real quick, I went to the uh, first time to a dermatology appointment. Yeah, first time, first time my whole life. So it's kind of fun. I got in there and they're like, okay, well, this robe, and uh, you know, just keep your underwear on, and here's your gown or whatever. And it was a nurse, a female nurse, and I just started like taking my pants off. She's like, whoa, 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 wait till I get out of the room. I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't. I figured you're a nurse. It's fine. I, I don't know. I don't Mike, know. Mike, I guess, yeah, you're a guy. Like I go to the gynecologist, so that's just 
just par for the course. I've had two kids. Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time in, in, in robes. Yeah. And I obviously I know that you wait till the person gets out of the room. Yeah. I Looking back, I was like, oh, that was stupid. Like, did she think I was like trying to show her something? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Was, like, that's so awkward. She probably walked out of there like, this guy was very eager to take off his pants. So, <laughs> so don't like, a Doc, if you talk to him, like he might give you creepy vibes. Do you think you're the first person that's ever done that? Um, I mean, I was expecting to take it off because you told me like what to expect. So I'm like, okay, well, now I'm ready. And here we go. <laughs> you were ready. <laughs> I was. And uh, yeah, so that yeah, was and good. You should go to the dermatologist what, once a year. Especially in Florida. Yeah. Um, I found out it's uh, not scoliosis, like I was going to say, but psoriasis per- perhaps on my arm. So that's it's like a little tiny dot. Good news so far. But uh, besides that, you know. Uh, yeah, you don't have scoliosis on your arm. Yeah, gave me some lotions and things. So. Lotions, potions. Yeah, and um, steroid lotions. So, I mean, maybe I can put that on my muscles and then get bigger. Yeah, I think that's how it works. I think they're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. but I yeah. think so. Yeah. So, anyways, hey, uh, whatever service you're listening to us on, if you could leave us a review, that'd be greatly appreciated. And uh, I do want to read a quick review here. Um, just to give you an idea of, you know, what to put down there. Uh, love you guys. Listen backwards and I'm all caught up. Your banter's awesome. I was worried about you, um, both at first, but I got into the groove and figured out your relationship comes from years of being together. Oh, you should still be worried about us. Well, here's, I was, uh, I thought that'd be funny because it's a lot of people that we're with, you know, when we go to parties or Uh something, like they see us talk to each other and they're like, whoa, that wouldn't fly with my partner. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, two minutes later, we're like, okay, anyways, um, what are we going to do this weekend? And they're like, that's it? You guys were, and we're like, yeah, we were just joking. That's just kind of how we talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, what, 27 years together? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. So far, so good. You never know. I still like you, so that's a good thing. Likewise, like you too. Like, that's what people say. Like, um, yeah, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Like, next week, it could be totally different. But uh, so far, so good. We're pretty even keeled, I'd say. Yeah, we Um, are. um, Definitely me. But yeah, we are. You better shut your your trap right about now. I don't want to dig it any further. You're my bestie, Mike. Oh, and uh, if you're watching YouTube, you can see my cute little Easter uh, pillow that I didn't even know it was an Easter pillow. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm like, did you put that out? No, no. Hell would freeze over before that happens. Would you put this away after Easter is done? Of course I put it away. What do you think? I leave an Easter pillow out all year? Oh, yeah. No, probably not. So, um, okay, well, uh, shall we get started? A lot of things happen behind the scenes that you're unaware of. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, so this was a listener suggestion and because I'm an a-hole, I forgot to write down that listener's name. So my deepest apologies. It's not that I don't appreciate you. It's going to be in the show notes. Yeah, It was one of those ruts that I've been in this week. Real quick. Do you want to mention what you're wearing? Oh, I'm wearing a romper. So yeah, this is on Allison's Amazon addiction. Anytime she gets something from Amazon, we might mention it. This is a super cute little thing. I told her I can't wait to crumple it all up on the floor someday, but it's super cute. It makes uh, your butt look cute. I mean, super comfortable. Super it's basically comfortable. like an adult onesie, you could say. And pockets. Yeah, it has pockets. Yeah, the girls love What that. more could you ask for? Right. So, anyways, go ahead. So, we'll put the listener who suggested this in the show notes, like Mike said. So, my apologies for that. So, this is the murder of Jennifer Levin. It is also called the Preppy Murder. So, in late August of 1986, Jennifer Dawn Levin was a social, outgoing 18 year old girl only days away from starting college in Boston. Jennifer was born on May 21st, 1968 to parents Ellen and Stephen Levin. She was voted best looking at Baldwin School in New York City. Earlier in the year, she was living with her mom in Long Island, but she later moved to live with her father, who was a successful realtor, and her stepmom in Soho. Best looking. I don't think they do that anymore. 
I, about yeah. hurt feelings and such, but that's know. that's pretty impressive. So Jennifer was tall. She was a slender girl who was described as responsible. She was ambitious, funny, loyal, down to earth. She had a lot of friends who she found a way to make feel special. She was self-deprecating and wasn't afraid to poke fun at herself, which people tend to like. Absolutely. People who could make fun of themselves. That's why I talk about how obese I am all the time. Always gets a smile in the room and makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, and it makes you realize that this person doesn't take themselves too seriously. Because we're all in this together. We're all trying to get through this life, you know, in one piece and do the best that we can. Hence us screwing up on this podcast multiple times today. So there we are. And we're not even done. (laughs) So um, she never did drugs. She drank little. Her mom, Ellen Levin, felt that she had a gift for making people smile just by walking into a room. She was filled with life and brightness. Jennifer's best friends, Jessica and Peter, said that Jennifer fully enjoyed the beauty of New York and the friendships that she was making. The three of them would three-way call each other. They would talk for hours and hours, just laughing hysterically. They would use the word code. They would use the code word snossages, just like randomly in their conversation, just to crack each other up. (laughs) I love stupid stuff like that. Yeah, it's fun. So on Monday, August 25th, 1986, there was a bar on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It was hopping. Students were gathered. It was called Dorian's Red Hand. And it was like in the center of town. It was like the local um, hotspot. I heard it was pretty easy to get in if you were underage, too. Yeah, and at this time, it wasn't like a super big thing to card people really hard. Mm-hmm. So people were catching up because school's getting back in session. Summer break is ending. Within the mix was 19-year-old Robert Chambers. He had plans to meet his 16-year-old girlfriend, Alex Cap at the bar at 8.30 p.m. that night. So Alex is there. She's waiting. And as each hour is passing and Robert's not showing up, she's getting more and more mad, as I would expect her to. So he finally comes in at around 1030, two hours later than he told her he would be there. He breezes by her, doesn't even acknowledge that she's sitting there and heads straight to the bar. And she's like, what in the hell? Got to think he's on drugs or something. So she wanted to confront him that night. So that's why she wanted to meet him there at 830. So in the very early hours of that morning, Alex offered Robert $5 from her wallet so that he could take a taxi home. When she checked her wallet just a few minutes later, like something in her head thought, let me just check my wallet. She knew she had a $50 bill and a $5 bill in that wallet because her parents were in Colorado. She wanted to come back to the city because she wanted to be with her friends. She promised her parents she was going to stay with her friends she decided to stay at the apartment by herself so that she could be with her boyfriend you know she's 18 mm-hmm. you know we you know, know how that's it is. all about so her mom gave her 50 dollars to get her through the week until they came home so she was very sure that this 50 dollars was there and that's why i'm telling you this because you know if you have money mixed in you might not know it's there this 50 dollars was her like lifeblood this week so she opens her wallet 50 dollars is gone five dollars is gone she's mm-hmm. like oh my gosh she started panicking she finally gets a hold of robert and finds out that he's denying any taking anything from her wallet not even the five dollars interesting so it was just not sitting well from her at all she wanted to talk to him about it that night so when she approached him at the bar she asked him what the heck was going on he was agitated and he said he had had a horrible night since his little brother within the big brother mentor program had committed suicide alex 
knew this was such an absurd lie that it actually made her laugh when he said it because it was so ridiculous. Well, yeah, usually the one that needs the help is the little brother. It's not that that she knew he wasn't involved in that mentoring program. She's like, there is no way they hadn't been dating very long, but she knew that that wasn't true. So she's just like, what the heck is going on here? So she got angry. She had been carrying a bag full of prophylactics for her friend. Her friend had gone to Planned Parenthood. She was holding on to the bag so that her parents didn't see the condoms. It's always for the friend. So Alex took Kids, the bag. Kids, if you're out there, tell your parents. That's just, I was holding it for a friend. <laughs> so she took the bag of condoms, threw them at Robert, said, you're not using these on me. You're going to have to use them on somebody else, and stormed out of the bar. Well, that was nice. Well, at least he got condoms. Yeah, he got some free condoms out of the mix. So Robert Chambers Jr. was born on September 25th, 1966. He was the only child to Phyllis and Robert Chambers Sr. Phyllis was from Ireland, and she worked as a private duty nurse. She worked for extremely wealthy families, like I'm talking like Kennedy types. Wow. So, you know, she was probably doing well for herself in that way. Robert Sr. worked for MCA Records. He later um, worked in video cassette distribution. Pretty successful family. Yeah, they weren't rich. I mean, they were working their asses off. So his parents divorced at some point, and he lived with his mom. They lived in Jackson Heights, which is a working-class neighborhood in Queens, though ultimately they did move to Manhattan. Robert was living his teenage years in a five-story brownstone on the Upper East Side. His parents, like I said, they worked exceptionally hard to afford the private schools that they enrolled their son into. His mom was working 12 hours a day, six days a week. I mean, she was busting her tail. She wanted the best education for her son. Robert also received scholarships, um, though he was not doing well in school. He was basically bouncing from prep school to prep school. He later said that he did not take life or school seriously. His schedule included getting high for three days and sleeping for two days, getting up and doing it all over again. Do you think he actually put that in a schedule? Do you think he's like, all right, well, I'm going to get high from like nine to noon and then... No, it was like more like Monday through Wednesday. And then I'm going to sleep Thursday and Friday and then I'm going to do it all over again. And Alex remembers, because she didn't realize this is a 16-year-old girlfriend, she didn't realize that he was even into drugs when she was starting to date him. And he had come over to her apartment and he's like, I'm just so tired. And he, she's like, well, you can take a nap in my room. And he, and he laid down and he fell asleep. And she went downstairs to the kitchen and she's dealing with her family and stuff. And like five hours passes by. She goes back upstairs. He's just waking up. The bed is sopping wet, like through the sheets. Jeez. And she's thinking maybe he has the flu. He lies and says he probably does. She says he was a compulsive liar. Like he, his mom worked as a private duty nurse. He told her she was a doctor. Just constant, constant lies. Mm -hmm. You just didn't know who he was because most of the things that came out of his mouth weren't the truth. So, you know, it's hard to get to know somebody like that. Mm -hmm. So he was spending about $300 a week on drugs at this point. People noticed Robert's movie star good looks. He had dark hair and piercing blue eyes. He was a cadet in the Knickerbocker Grays, which I guess is a, a drill team of kids from wealthy families. He also was an altar boy at his church. And like I said, he attended very prominent schools, but was repeatedly kicked out for bad behavior and bad grades. All right. I was expecting that. Mm-hmm. And after one semester at Boston University, he had been dismissed. Same old thing. He wasn't taking school seriously. So he had started, from what I heard, using drugs at age 14. He was sent to rehab in Minnesota just the spring before that this happened because of his cocaine addiction. He was released in May of 1986, just, you know, in the just before this story, basically a few months. The crushing on the bed definitely is like a, you know, 
you're, you're kind of crashing from your high of cocaine for hours and hours on and end. like a bender yeah exactly yeah so he left rehab sooner than he should have that i did hear that and when he came back to new york city he slid right back into his group of friends he was no less popular with the girls very very popular with the girls they flocked after him really i wonder what it was i wonder if it's like maybe something um just the attraction of this guy who's like always on all the time with the drugs and just yeah good looking guy too i'd imagine he was good looking yeah that's what he was known for and he had a very large stature they say he was about six four six five he weighed about 220 so he definitely stood out um you know it's got the dark hair and then the bright blue eyes yeah. he's he's very tall you notice this guy yeah so his friends said that he may have been off cocaine after rehab, but he was certainly drinking heavily and smoking marijuana. One friend said that he was a nice, normal guy, but he did have a crazy streak, a strangeness. But he said they were basically wrecked all of the time, so it was difficult to know what was strange and what was just high. Yeah. They definitely saw a weird streak in him, though. Well, and then you're like, well, maybe he's just changing. That's the new him now. Maybe. And it's, maybe it's the drugs. Who knows? That's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Robert continued to tell his friends that he was going to get his life in order, though he was yet to find a regular job or enroll in Columbia University as he continued to plan and tell people he was going to do so. So his friend described him as a compulsive liar who was living two lives, one that he presented for his mom, because again, his mom is working you know, 12 hour days, six days a week. She's exhausted to put her son into these schools and he's just effing it up. Uh, what a dickhead. So he's trying to still give his mom this impression that he's holding it all together. But meanwhile, his friends see the other side of him that's falling apart. That poor woman just trying to like all she can to yeah. keep him in these great schools, which he gets access to, which any kid would probably mm-hmm. kill to have it. Yeah, uh, access. 100%. And any kid that's actually trying hard. He, he had the world away. by the balls. Yeah. And they basically said he was having a hard time keeping these two lives straight and keeping the lies straight because you start to forget what lie did i tell to who that's the main reason i tell the truth because i can't remember the lies it's, i mean that's the most important thing because you got to remember everything that you told everybody right and who you told what to right so jennifer levin had just come back from a trip to the hamptons that afternoon on the 25th of august she had gotten to dorian's just after midnight and she was celebrating her upcoming move to boston with her friends at dorian's red hand that night she She had been interested in Robert. They had met for the first time at the end of June at Dorian's. Like I said, that was the place to be. So they met again at Dorian's during the second week of July. Jennifer did go back with Robert to his house. They slept together. And he had access to that house because his mom worked nights. So she told her friend that he was very gentle, complimented her. He didn't force her to do anything. They had another hookup several weeks later. And then that night in August, Jennifer was sitting at a table with her friends. We already know that his 16-year-old girlfriend stormed out. He was certainly not faithful to begin with. Um, his girlfriend in this interview I watched, she told a story that she was sitting at the bar with him. He went outside to talk to a young girl who he claimed was his friend's little sister who was distraught from being dumped. They talked for a while. She ends up bumping into her after this whole story comes out and talking to her about it. She's like, he told me the exact same thing about you. Oh, my God. That you were his friend's little sister who had gone through a terrible breakup and he was there consoling you. So we just got off on these lies. Nonstop lies. Just loved it. Like, love the thrill. 
I cannot talk to people that you're looking at them and you're like, oh, you're we have shit. a 50-50 chance here. Flip a coin. Yeah. It could be the truth. Sometimes it's about nothing. Like some, if you've known people like that. I have. Um, I knew somebody very well that would just like lie about what they had for breakfast like, in the morning. Why? It's like, I I know I watched you, man. And I just asked you a question just to see if you would. And you said you had pancakes and I watched you eat cereal. <laughs> so like, weird. We even uh, talked about it this morning, man. So I don't weird. know why you would do this, but okay. That's I you. know. It seems like this is the kind of guy he was. So, you know, she was impressed. Uh, Jennifer was impressed with him. They they had some good roles in the hay. She she liked she liked what she experienced. Okay. So that night in August, Jennifer, like I said, she was sitting with her friends. She noticed Robert. Robert noticed her. They knew each other, of course. So um, she told her friends that she was hoping to go home with Robert. She's an 18-year-old girl. She's going off to college in a month. Go, girl. Get well, it. Nothing bad has happened. No. So Jennifer's friend left at 2 a.m. Jennifer asked her to leave the key under the doormat so that she can let herself in that night. Robert and Jennifer left the bar together at around 4 a.m. Now we're in the early morning hours of Tuesday, August 26th. So they walked a handful of blocks to Central Park. How amazing would that be to just be within walking distance of that beautiful park? Mm -hmm. Robert said that he wasn't using drugs that night. He had a few beers and two tequilas. And of course, we know Robert lies all the time. So take it for what you will. Anything he says, you can't really even listen to. No. So less than two hours later, at approximately 6.20 a.m., Jennifer Levin's body was found under a tree by a cyclist. Holy cow. So... This happened fast. Within like an hour, Within about an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So she was strangled. She was badly beaten. She was bruised, half naked. She was behind the Metropolitan Museum of Art in Central Park under an elm tree. Oh, my God. So her underwear was located more than 100 feet from where she was found, and her white tank top was tied around her neck. It was estimated that she had died at about 5.30 a.m., so about an hour, hour and a half after they had left the bar together. Insane. Like, where does this come from? And then I read in one thing, it was her tank top was tied around her neck. Another one, it was just pulled up around her neck. So varying reports there. So according to newspaper reports, a jogger saw the couple together and they thought that they were having sex. Because, you know, it's it's dusk at this point, or dawn, I should That's say, New dawn, York. not New, dusk. New York City, you're not really surprised to see anything. You never know what you're going to see. It's like you said, that's the city, and the sun's not yet really up, so it's kind of probably dark. I've seen, like, videos of people on the trains doing some really crazy things, peeing on their food, and then, like, eating it and yeah. stuff. Like, sorry, that's disgusting. So you're jogging, you see this, you're just going to keep jogging. 20 minutes later, he jogged by again. He heard someone cry out in pain. Oh. He yelled out, are you all right? And somebody responded that everything was okay. He said that he later joked with a second jogger who had also seen the couple. They even commented about it. Crazy, huh? Yeah. (laughs) So Jennifer had numerous cuts on her neck that appeared to be from her own nails, likely as she struggled with the person that was attacking her. Many people had seen Jennifer and uh, Jennifer, excuse me, and Robert together that night. And within hours of the murder... Um, and one thing I said that Robert became a suspect immediately, but in many other ones, they, he was not a suspect at all. They just knew that he knew her. So they wanted to talk to him and say, hey, what what happened? Where did Jennifer go? Not thinking he had anything to do with it. And at this time, there weren't a ton of cameras and things no. to see them. No, this is in the mid 80s. Yeah. So they wanted to basically go and talk to Robert and see how Jennifer had gotten separated from her friends. Meanwhile, her friend was concerned that she hadn't come home. Remember, she left the key. Yep. So she called Robert, who denied leaving Dorian's with 
with Jennifer at all. He said that Jennifer had gone to a friend's house, but this friend realized that this person's who he's saying that Jennifer went to the house is over on Long Island. He never came back to Manhattan. So they're like, no, Jennifer didn't go over there. She would never. No. So as investigators arrived to Robert's home at around 2 p.m., he came out of the bedroom and they immediately noticed fresh, deep scratches on both sides of his face that he initially tried to dismiss as his cat. Yeah. That his cat had clawed at his face. Does he even have a cat? Like I'm, He I did. Okay. He did have a cat. But then, of course, detectives are talking to people. They soon discover that his cat was actually declawed. So, right. no, the cat did not do that to your face. And I'm talking, Jeez. these were some wicked, angry scratches. I mean, you got to come up with something better than that, man. That's crazy. So, he told them that after he and Jennifer left the bar, they parted ways so that she could buy cigarettes, though her friend said she wasn't even a smoker. His story changed again. He said now that they had had rough sex in the park and Jennifer died when he pushed her off of him since she hurt him. He said that he hadn't intended to hurt her since he liked her very much. Well, this is good. He's saying that he was the one that mm-hmm. did it. So, that, that at least we're getting some... It's not good, obviously, but He's I mean, good for his... putting himself with her... And at being the cause of her death. Absolutely. So Jennifer's friends said that she would never have gone to the park with the intention of having sex. They did hang out like in groups in the park, but they're like, she wouldn't have gone to the park to have sex. It just wouldn't have happened. They said that she must have trusted Robert to even have gone at all. Robert's friends claimed he wouldn't have gone to the park that night to have sex because his mom was working that night and they would have had the apartment to themselves. Hmm. So it's not really clear why they walked to the park. Maybe it was just because it was there. Sure. And they were in the area. Yeah. Mood hits you. So it was determined that Robert and Jennifer got to Central Park around 4.50 a.m. They entered at 86th Street. Robert said that once they reached the park, they talked, and Jennifer asked him to visit her at school, but he said he wasn't interested in a serious relationship. He said that she went into a rage and scratched his face, hitting him and yelling. He said that he moved a short distance away in the grass and then got up and walked to a tree to pee. And he said when he finished, he walked back to Jennifer. She was no longer mad. He said that he sat with his hands behind his back and Jennifer playfully tied her underwear loosely around his wrists and pushed him back to the ground. He said that she straddled him facing away and undid his shirt and pants and began to rub on him with her hands. He said that he told her to stop and she wouldn't. And he told police that she was having her way with me without my consent, with my hands behind my back hurting me. So the officers are asking him in this interview room, you're telling me this girl was raping you in the park and the, they're not buying it. Like To be clear, like your, your hands are so tied, tied so tight, you cannot make them free. And there's no marks on your arms None. To, to prove this. No. Not that you need mar- marks, but it's like there's really nothing to in, back it up. Not to mention the underwear were what, a uh, hundred yards from mm-hmm. where a hundred feet from, from where from she was. From where she was. Yeah. So um, he said that she reached down and roughly grabbed his testicles for a few seconds, squeezing. Her nails were digging into his skin. He said that this aggressive move shocked him so much that it caused him to sit up and swing his arm after freeing his hands. He basically struck her in the throat. In many of the things I read, she was basically like tossed over his head. 
So he said that she fell to the side off of his body and he didn't realize that she was dead until he stood up and told her they needed to go. He said that her eyes were open, but she didn't move. He knew something was wrong. He's like, I'd never seen a dead body before. And he said he did not check her pulse. He did not check for a heartbeat. He didn't start CPR. He did not contact the police or call 911 because he said he was scared and he froze. I mean, what sucks about the situation, there's no other eyewitnesses or anything. So, I mean, you got him for, I guess, manslaughter at the very least, right? Because it was because of him. But then he's saying he's self-defense, too. So... This is a tricky situation. So the autopsy determined that Jennifer died of asphyxia by strangulation. Oh, well, what? I mean, it's some kind of a blunt force to the throat would be the same thing, right? No, no, because this is strangulation Strangulation. is cutting off the airway. Right. So and injuries indicated that she had been strangled for at least 20 seconds. They said maybe up to a minute um, before she had died. Various medical examiners noted multiple strangulation marks on Jennifer's neck, indicating repeated applications of force. Now, haven't we learned that it takes a lot longer to kill yeah, somebody? Yeah, but I don't know. In this case, it didn't say that. Yeah, it's like minutes, right? They, I always hear the number eight minutes. Yeah, because I think that's enough. Obviously, it's enough to make you pass out. Like you can pass out within like seconds, as mm-hmm. we see in the UFC fights and everything. But yeah, it's it's minutes of having to have that oxygen cut off from your brain. Right. So I don't know, because I guess there's there's other things I'll tell you. So basically what they're seeing on her neck is not consistent with the one blow that Robert claimed to have, you know, that had happened. So there were bruises all over her body. During a 48 hours interview in 2016, 30 years after the murder, Robert was asked about this and the interviewer said, it's very clear from the medical examiner's evidence and from the pathologist that you choked Jennifer Levin. It was not a split second. Your hands were around her neck and you squeezed. Robert continues to deny this, saying that the cuts and bruises came from the one-time strike. His hands contained bite marks after Jennifer was murdered, and it's believed that she bit him when he had his hands likely over her mouth, trying to stop her from yelling. And we do know that somebody yelled out because that jogger heard somebody cry out in pain. Yeah. So it's pretty clear that he had his hand over her mouth and she was biting him. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see based on the teeth marks like yeah you know, what direction he's holding his hands so it's not consistent with what he's saying no he's saying she was squeezing his nutsack and he hit her and tossed her over her shoulders and explain these other bruises and how she got choked and we're talking like they were saying she's very badly bruised yeah so it's just not making sense so robert's lawyer lawyer argued that he had choked jennifer from behind between his left bicep and forearm and this method can take as little as two seconds to cause death and the marks on her neck were from his watch the bruises on her body were from when he flipped her off of him that's how they're explaining it all away so in addition to the obvious deep fresh scratches on his face as police are further talking with him and investigating they have him take his shirt off his chest is covered in scratches as well so this girl fought her ass off yeah so it's bullshit what he's saying complete and absolute bullshit i mean i hate these stories so much obviously but at the same time god bless her for trying to get i know and and her friend said like she wasn't the type to just let people take advantage of her yeah she she was very strong-willed a strong-willed girl 
and he's lying his ass off as per usual. So the injuries did not appear to be related to rough sex, but rather a vicious struggle in the park where Jennifer was likely fighting for her life face to face with Robert. Because again, it's likely he was on top of her with his hands on her and she was biting at him and scratching. And he was probably beating her in the meantime, you know, which, you know, he's saying that she was facing away from him. Like nothing is making sense. It's like every time he gets, he says something, it's like, well, well, actually, here this evidence says no. But he has an answer for everything. And how can you be this lawyer to like back this guy oh, up? Oh, you'll just wait. Oh, great. So Chambers later told police that he hadn't immediately left the park after he stood up and realized that her eyes were open, that she was gone, or he thought she was. Because again, he did not check. He didn't check for a pulse. So he said he walked over just a little bit away to a stone wall. He actually watched as the cyclists found her body. And he watched as then they contacted police and all the police filed into the area. The police are clearing the area because obviously there's a murder investigation happening. They walk up to him thinking he's just a bystander. Tell him, hey, you got to leave. So he does. And he walks home. He got undressed and he went to bed. So he said he wasn't sure if he slept, though. Yeah, very, very tough day for him. So Robert had a history of arrests in the past for disorderly conduct, petty theft and burglaries, because obviously he had a pretty hefty drug habit to pay for. You're you're spending three hundred dollars a week in the 1980s on drugs that that adds up quick. Yeah. Um, as well as his alcohol addictions. A high school classmate recalls that kids would throw house parties when their parents were out of town, and Robert had a reputation for just robbing people blind. Really? One person said he would basically find a key, because they said that these are very wealthy people. Oftentimes, these people have houses in summer homes, the Hamptons, other countries, so they're oftentimes, the teenagers are left to their own disposals. So these like super wealthy people have their houses open. He finds a key, literally runs down to the you know corner store to get himself some cigarettes and gets a copy of the key. Ah, and smart. then comes back and steals and robs from them. Well, yeah, that's what drugs do, man. Any way, anyhow, you can get your money, your hands on some money. You go ahead and do it. Right, that's crazy. exactly. And he was. He was taking anything he could, jewelry, watches, ski equipment, cash. Police estimated that he and a partner stole upwards of $70,000 wow. from people that he knew and was supposedly friends with and that's like the kind of thing that parents are worried about with their kids when they leave them it's like yeah you know we're you know when we were kids we were young and we didn't think that our friends you know quote unquote friends Mm -hmm. would be coming in and stealing stuff but like our parents know better there's people you know when they were young they thought they knew somebody and they did bad things you know so they can easily take things like luckily all we know is are you thinking about when you're the perfume gets (laughs) on yeah (laughs) i lived at mike's parents house for a little bit when i was finishing school and I was in the downstairs bathroom and bedroom and I had my perfume on the counter and Mike's brother had his friends over and like some of them weren't people that he was close with. And the next morning I go to put on my perfume and it's gone. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? And we're like, uh, Nick, I think your friends took, took Allison. It was like cool waters. Was it? I was going to ask you what it was. Was it happy? No, it was no? cool, cool waters. Water. Okay. Yeah. And like, I think your friend took Allison's perfume. He's like, no, there's no way. No way. And then we're like, it was right here. I'm like, you, it, and I'm, I'm very clean yeah. and very, um, you know, I know where I put things because yeah. I don't have a cluttered space. Sure. So if the perfume's there, it's there and you can see it. You were like, it was here. It's not. So I, the, the only thing is those girls and like, you knew the which girls too you were like they were like laughing or whatever it was i don't know but it was i'm like i'm just telling you factually it was there and now it's gone and then we found out years later that it was that she took it yeah yeah so that's just the point that 
you know, he was just swiping whatever he could get his hands on. So Robert ended up being released on a $150,000 bail on October 1st. Um, just, you know, a couple months after this happened, a month and a half or so. So basically, he's out scot-free until the trials are happening and he's sentenced. So in the meantime, this case is progressing. And they said that this is basically compared to like the OJ Simpson trials. It was like media crazy. So like everybody was talking about it, it was in newspapers, magazines. Yes. Okay. And because of his good looks, you know, that's I think half the the reason, not half, 95% of the reason why this was splashed all over the case. And the fact that he came from, you know, like a wealthy social circle, it was like, oh, this can't happen because he's good looking. Right. So, oh, so maybe I wonder who kind of drummed up a lot of that. Maybe it was the lawyer or somehow. Maybe somebody that had access to money was trying to like, you know, get the media cycle like yeah. kind of on his side. And that can be pretty powerful. And that's where the title comes from. The preppy killer because of his all American good looks. Mm. And the trial began on January 4th, 1988. It lasted 13 weeks. Similar to the Ted Bundy case a decade earlier, Robert's good looks made for a compelling headline. And it's just so crazy to me that people think like good looking people aren't capable of doing bad things. It's just human nature. It's not like if you use common sense, then obviously you wouldn't think so. But we as a species, we look at things and the better looking someone is, the more likely they are to be a good person, Uh, which is not true at all. But so basically, Robert's looks placed him in the spotlight with the media attention. And they basically use this as an example at one of the magazines he was on the cover for that he did a photo shoot for, mind you. Um, he's front and center across the entire magazine. And there's like a postage size stamp, stamp picture of Jennifer. Wow. This man killed this woman and we're highlighting him in a photo shoot with a suit on well wasn't jennifer good looking also yes she was a beautiful girl i don't get it that's insane insane i i was so pissed off doing the research there had to be some kind of powerful person behind a lot of this stuff like somebody in the media somebody that owns a lot of the media companies or something that had to be be the one doing this on purpose i I, that's crazy it's crazy and as the trial is going on, it was disgusting. Jennifer was slut-shamed, victim-shamed. She was called a dominatrix. She was painted as a picture of a promiscuous girl who lacked any sort of character. Well, this piece of shit lawyer is going to have to do this. You know, That's what they're going to come out and be like, yeah, she wanted it all the time and everything and tried to make her out to be a horrible human being. Unbelievable. Which is, I kind of got that thought when you said earlier oh you know she had a great time with him why not go she did have a great time with him right there's nothing wrong with having fun having she's fun an 18 sex. year old single girl when you're a, a grown woman and a grown man and it's you're, consensual that's, that's okay that's what it's all about she was allowed to go and have sex with a good-looking guy and, and say it was fun yeah there was nothing wrong with that so they painted like such a horrific picture and people bought into it. This was all by Robert's defense team. She was also accused of keeping a sex diary, which was complete and absolute bullshit. It was literally just a like a file of facts calendar thing that had her dates and appointments and plans with friends. Were there sex things no, in there? nothing. So her friends they- said that there was nothing more than a book with dates and times that she was meeting friends. There was no evidence it had anything to do with her sex life. It was just lies. So salaciousness. Salacious, yes. Like that's, that's what they were going for. They're like, look at this sex diary. Nope. You had a sex diary. No, I did uh, not. It was my planner. So shut your trap. What did you put in your planner? I made a little symbol. What symbol? It was a flower. It was. 
I was much younger then. Yes. Now I'm grown. So the general... How many flowers in these parts? <laughs> no, the flowers are dead. <laughs> so the general implication was that Jennifer had walked into the park on her own two legs at four in the morning. What do you think she wanted? You know, it's like, yeah, she was a living, breathing 18-year-old girl that didn't walk out of that park. I mean, having sex with somebody that you're into is, sounds fun, right? right? I mean, you anybody has the right to do, be able to do so. I mean, you know, outside of the law, but... You know, we've all been in interesting situations like that, but I mean, she's a, a woman that doesn't deserve to be murdered or no. killed. What does the, what does sex have anything to do with it? None. So that's what the headlines were all. Rough sex, rough sex. And Jennifer's mom, Ellen, said that every time she opened the papers and saw these horrific headlines that attacked Jennifer's reputation that she knew was not true, she basically had to bury her daughter all over again. I mean, what... What a horrific thing to have your daughter's character drag through the mud after she has been murdered. And meanwhile, this guy is getting all this media attention like he's this Some goddess. Kind of hero. Yeah. It's it was sick. Or God, I should say, because a goddess is a woman, right? Correct. So after nine days of deliberation, the jury basically was deadlocked. They deadlocked. Sh- deadlocked. How, what, what? I don't get it. They struggled to reach a verdict. The fact that Robert was handsome, he was a white male who ran with a wealthy social circle, it made it hard for people to believe he could have been capable of such an awful crime. One of the jurors assigned to the trial reportedly said, I will never believe Robert Chambers is capable of intentional murder. He is too nice and too refined. Man, did the lawyers for Jennifer like do an okay job of painting how much of a liar he is? I mean, I obviously not. I think, I I mean, I would hope. Jeez. So Robert made a deal with prosecutors because they were deadlocked, agreeing to plead guilty to first degree manslaughter, which was a step down, obviously, from murder. It was a charge that carried a five to 15 year sentence. Part of the agreement included that he had to admit that he had intended to hurt Levin, which caused her death, which to me is weird, because if you are saying you intended to hurt her, isn't that just first degree murder? Um, not manslaughter yeah because isn't manslaughter where you didn't have the intention premeditated yeah so he stood in court and he said it breaks my heart to have to say that the levin family has gone through hell because of my actions and i am sorry right and i watched this 48 hours interview when he got out of prison and you know he's a good talker right he really is and luckily the guy who was interviewing wasn't buying his bullshit so a video that had been recorded while Robert was out on bail, because we know he got out on in October, um, it surfaced and it showed a 21-year-old Robert surrounded by women, like a group of women wearing basically lingerie. I don't know who these girls were. He was twisting the head of a Barbie doll, pretending to strangle it. He spoke in this strange high like falsetto voice and said, oops, I think I killed her as he twisted the head off. Gross. And Jennifer's mom feels that this video shows Robert's true colors, and she was horrified by it, but at the same time, she was also relieved that he was showing himself for who he really was, because he was a chameleon, you know? He put forward what he knew people wanted to see. So he, she was like, had a sense of relief that people could see that he wasn't a good person deep down. Yeah. So um, he was, of course, asked about this during the 48 Hours interview. He said that it was just him being stupid and silly with friends. He was absolutely not reenacting and or joking about what happened to Jennifer. I mean, all, it's, just, it's like somebody just lying to your face and knowing that, like, no, you... 
totally did that because you murdered her. Like, there's no other explanation. It's not even like there's nothing that's viable. Right. And um, the one thing, I mean, just blatant lies nonstop. The guy in 48 hours was like, so are you clean? And he's like, oh, yeah, since blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. And then the next sentence like that they find out he was found with heroin in his cell. <laughs> and it, was right not in clean. the midst of when he said he was clean. Yeah. Like, Okay. So Robert was released from prison in 2003. He was 36 years old when he was released. He did have to serve the maximum sentence of 15 years because he was horrible in prison. He had received 27 disciplinary violations from anywhere from weapons to drug possession, disobeying orders and assault. He spent more than four years in solitary confinement because of his poor behavior. Good. Um, it was funny because the interview guy was like, Did, were you ever sexually assaulted? And he denied it, <laughs> that trying, it happened. Trying to get Americans to be like, yeah, all right. And he, the guy during 48 hours asked him, you know, have you, do you think about Jennifer? And he responded every day. Yeah. He said, sure. somebody died and I'm responsible for that. It's not an easy feeling. You don't get comfortable with it. And it's part of my life for the rest of my life. I can never make up for the death of Jennifer Levin. I can never make up for the pain I caused her family. I've been a bad person am i a monster no because if i was a monster i wouldn't care but i do um so he's taught himself all this stuff it's just like he's completely reading the script line for line for a moment as i was watching i was like starting to believe him and then i'm like virtually slapping myself in the face like (laughs) snap out of it no no so this interview with his girlfriend it was actually really interesting to watch the 16 year old girlfriend um this is being this is happening like now like three years ago alex Alex cap So you got a lot of insight from this interview. It looked like a high quality interview. It was on YouTube, right? It was called Juicy Scoop. And it was really good. It'll be in the show notes if you want to check it out. So basically, he was out, obviously, on bail in October. She went to see him at his apartment. And she said... You know, she was, she's like, I was a stupid, stupid 16 year old. And I'm sitting in his room with the door closed. His mom was home at the time. But she said he looked, she looked over where he was sitting at his desk, and there was to the top of the desk from the floor nothing but newspapers. Just, he was just stockpiling his own images because he didn't care how he was famous. He just always wanted to be famous. It was something he always said. And at that moment, she actually got super scared because it like something clicked in her 16 year old head. Like, holy cow, this guy's a psychopath. (laughs) Yeah. And she basically like, okay, gotta go. As she like, didn't turn her back to him or anything. Cause it really hit her at that moment. Like, wow did she ever say like if she thinks that he did it yeah oh like on purpose and everything she's she she knows he's a sociopath narcissist psychopath so she's out is completely saying there's no doubt about it in my head that he yes and she just like cruise well not crucifies herself but you know the fact that she was 16 so she was supposed to meet him that morning he didn't show up so she's like oh my gosh you know i threw the condoms at him and now he's not going to forgive me when she found out why he didn't show up, she had like a sense of relief. Like, he didn't blow me off. He was being interviewed by the police. You know, sure. she's 16. She was yeah. 16 at the time. Yeah. So there was a lot of interesting things I got from that. The other interesting thing was while he was first in prison, he wrote her lots of letters. Mm-hmm. Not one mentioned anything but himself. Really? Not one mention of him having remorse 
anything about the Levin family, anything about Jennifer, anything about her, the fact that they were actively still dating and he went to the park and all of this rough sex stuff is all over the news. Not one thing only about him and how it's bullshit when he was in that police station saying that he was self-defense he thought he was walking out that door and going home wow that's where he was mentally sure she said he voiced zero remorse so that's why i call bullshit that he's thinking about jennifer and the pain he caused her and her family well the pain he caused her he eliminated her life and what really sucks is that we'll never know why he did it no we won't i mean it's definitely not that oh something got rough and i mean maybe but like you're as a man uh, versus a woman like that just doesn't isn't gonna happen unless the woman's like a heck of a lot bigger or something or you got like handcuffs or something but like underwear is not gonna hold me down i I guarantee i can rip any woman's underwear off my arms you know (sighs) i'll tell you one thing this juicy scoop um interview talked about was the fact that he was in you know, an altar boy, this um, arch something bishop, um, bishop something wrote a letter to help him get out on this bail at in October. Because you believe that he believes in God. And well, all that stuff. no, I guess somebody that was in close contact with him was accused of a lot of sexual molestation. So there was almost like, and we don't, this is all just guessing, was Robert molested? I'm sure. And that this was, you know, buried stuff that somehow came out in a rage that that unfortunately Jennifer was on the receiving end of. I don't know why I said I'm sure, but possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, there, we don't know anything, and we'll probably never know. Right. But that was speculated. And anything that Robert's saying, we like I said, we can't take it no. as fact no. at all. So, in so no- he's out. So he he was out in 2003. Oh. In November of 2004, he was arrested again after driving with a suspended license. Police ended up finding trace amounts of heroin and cocaine in his car. He was sentenced to 100 days of prison. In 2007, he was arrested for selling cocaine from his apartment and resisting arrest. He and his girlfriend, which that's another interesting side note. There's lots of interesting side notes on this case. So this is a girl that one of them, I guess, was in the video with him when he was twisting the head off the doll and she's in lingerie in the video apparently she stayed with him through his 15 year imprisonment Hmm. so he had been with her all this time and now she's getting pinned down by basically they were saying like a drug ring out of their apartment so she was with him even when he was seeing jennifer a little bit um no this was once he was like sentenced and all of that oh because he he went out out the doll thing yes okay yes and then she stayed with him through his 15 years of being in prison she stayed with him that's sad and it, you know, it makes like, didn't Ted Bundy have a baby while he was in prison? Yeah, I mean, there's women that'll, th- women or men that'll throw themselves at these people because they're so like wrapped up in them, like they feel like they know them, and it's like, yeah, I, I, I let men, I'm in love with this killer. And you know, if he is a true sociopath, we, like we talked about in other episodes, they're gonna put their best friggin' foot forward and make you think that they are like the best of the best they're great at getting people to like them it's, it's really the incredible but then not and deeply. then you 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 don't have deep friendships because you can't right nobody n- really knows you so of course this they're finding out that you know he's selling a shit ton of of drugs they called it a cocaine ring out of their apartment he pleaded guilty and in 2008 he returned to prison get this for a 19-year sentence Um, At Sullivan Correctional Facility, which is a maximum security prison, his earliest possible release date will be January of this next year, 2024. 
and he'll be 57 years old at that point if he gets out. What did he go to jail for? Drugs? Yes. Selling lots and lots of cocaine. Wow. That is a long time. So here's what just kicks me in the teeth. Uh, Jennifer Levin's mother, Ellen, says she finds it extremely ironic that Robert will end up serving more time in jail for selling drugs than he did for murdering her daughter no shit that is let me repeat that he spent 15 years in prison for taking an 18 year old's life but he's going to spend at least 19 for selling drugs out of his apartments that's (sighs) fucked i mean even by accident i mean i guess you can say you know potentially he caused a lot of overdoses or something i don't know i'm not trying to that is completely screwy that's why i thought like you know i said that was long i mean i could see five ten years but like longer than when he killed somebody and you know i'm not even questioning the amount of time you got for the drugs it's just the point that it's more than it was for for taking a girl's life yeah jennifer's family filed a civil suit against the owner of the bar dorian's um because they were continuing to serve robert alcohol despite his obvious inebriation of course he claims he wasn't inebriated but again but he's full of shit always believe a thing that man says in 2009 they settled for an undisclosed sum they also took robert to court and filed a wrongful death lawsuit which he pleaded no contest to the levens were awarded 25 million dollars and the court mandated that he pay any earnings he may potentially receive from if he were to write a book or have a movie deal thus far he hasn't good but of course he's been in jail that's actually a really good point because very good he seeks that start off oh, 100 you know what for him i mean obviously the money's never going to bring back their daughter never but at least it's like it's not going to him a hundred percent because he doesn't deserve any of this stuff no. and i mean you know he he may have been molested and maybe i don't whatever but still like we well, say not, every we're episode, not saying that that's an excuse no like not we say every, plenty of people are and they don't do horrific things like this yeah so so there you know because this was such a big case in the headlines we were young i don't remember this we were like seven years old when this happened yeah. so a 1989 made for tv movie was based on this case starring billy baldwin as robert and laura flynn boyle as jennifer in 1990 law and order based an episode on the crime in 2004 the killers released a song called jenny was a friend of mine oh. that's based on this it mocked robert's defense to police that he would have never killed jennifer since they were friends yeah in 2019 AMC released a five-part um, documentary, which I really would like to see, but I'm like, it's like $3 an episode. <laughs> but they, it's supposed to be fantastic. And mm. it's called The Preppy Murder, Death in Central Park. Ellen Levin, Jennifer's mom, became a victim's right advocate. The family has never accepted an apology from Robert. And why would they? Um, <laughs> He's full of shit. I mean, it, I, the only reason is for your own sanity. But you wouldn't be accepting anything because it's right. lies. Nothing yeah. he says is true. Right. You're going to sit in a room full of girls with lingerie on and, and be in this weird voice twisting the neck of a doll, reenacting what you did to their daughter in the park. Meanwhile, your entire defense team really just raked our daughter's name through the yes. mud. Oh. And you sat there being fine with it. Disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. And they said, like, this girl was doing great in school. She was just... She had the world at her fingertips. She was going to Boston in a month. She was hardworking. She was funny. In every picture, she's so smiley and full of life. She was like an awesome 18-year-old girl. So she had friggin' sex. Yeah. If she was angry that he wouldn't go to her school with her, that's okay, too. Just like... Which I call 100% bullshit. Right. Because from what her best friends say... 
it'd be like somebody saying my best friend started clawing at a guy's face because he wouldn't. I'd be like, that's not true. She's never acted out like that. Yeah. I guarantee you that was a lie. But then you just wonder, like, why would he do that? Like, he hasn't had a history of violence, right? So, and he hasn't yet. I I was like thinking maybe he would be violent again and something would happen. No, it was all drugs. But drugs, man. Yeah. So I couldn't wrap my head around what the hell snapped that what happened from the time you walked out of that bar at around four, four thirty until they said that she died at about five thirty. <sighs> they got to the park at four fifty and she was believed to be dead about 40 minutes later. Do you think he like took her there to kill her? I don't. I okay. really don't. I, do, I feel like it probably was an accident of some sort. I think that, you know, they were drinking. They walked out together. The park was there. They walked into it. What happened in there? I don't know. But no, I don't think he he left that bar. It was all circumstantial. Was he pissed off because his girlfriend stormed out yeah, and, and he threw did, condoms at her? He did beat her like pretty badly, right? She was beaten terribly. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, maybe it was from other encounters too. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Like any past boyfriends of hers that could say that she, she liked things rough or anything? No, nobody ever said anything like that. Okay. I no. mean, that, that's where I could believe that. Well, maybe the, past girlfriends of The scratches of his? that she, he had were not from rough sex. Right. So. They were, they were fights. Okay. They Just, were, they were claws. It's like, kind of like out of nowhere, you know? That's, you know, what was happening was he was attacking her and she was like... Oh, yeah. No, no. But the whole, like, why? Why did he attack her? Why is this the night that you want to kill this beautiful woman? I I thought about it over and over and over all week long as I did my research. And I I don't know what happened. Yeah. And Uh, we'll never know because nobody was there except the only person that could tell us what happened is a compulsive liar who's a narcissist and we'll never know. Hopefully, Robert Chambers rots in prison for a long, long time. I I mean, he's got to get out and bounce back in. Yeah, he'll do something else because he's stupid and an asshole. So go to to hell, Robert. Hope you end up in hell and have a horrible uh, afterlife. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling us about Jennifer Levin. Poor Mm -hmm. thing. And may your parents get some peace at some point in family. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, If you do like listening to our episodes, there's more. There's like 20 plus 21 episodes. yeah, and, and then a bonus bonus. So 22 bonus episodes. Yeah. And they're all behind a silver curtain called Patreon. You can, it's like, what is it? The wizard of Oz yeah. it was behind the curtain. Go see the little wizard. He's under there. Yeah. yeah. And behind the curtain. So uh, I want to say thank you to our newest patrons, Diana, Jessica, Rachel, and Aaron. You, you guys four are, are fantastic. Amazing. Fantastic. Titillating. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I just like saying titillating. Yeah, you do because it has the word tit in it. How'd and you you're know? immature. How'd you know? You're you're a buffoon. How did you know that was the reason? <laughs> and those people are listening. They're like, oh, they're going to get divorced. Yeah. yeah like, they, <laughs> no, I just call Mike a buffoon. Yeah. If she was smart, she would divorce me. But not yet, <laughs> no, so. never. Now nah, we're good. So uh, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Tell your family, friends this weekend at Easter, uh, whatever. If you celebrate Easter, great. Happy Easter. If not, mm-hmm. we'll talk nope. to you, we'll next you next time. Week. Regardless, we'll be here. Yep. Until then. Bye. Bye.